Praise God from whom all blessings flow. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. This is Reverend Dr. Edward O. Williamson, pastor of the Bethel Baptist Church of White Plains, New York. And we're coming to you with another edition of the After the Sermon Scoop podcast. Today I'm going to talk to you uh, about uh, two sermons that were preached entitled Teach Them. Teach Them. They were preached in April of 2023 and they were focusing on Matthew 28, 16 through 20 and Acts 11 verses 25 through 26. Matthew 28, 16 through 20 reads, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Verse 18, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am always with you, even to the end of the age. Amen. That was Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. In Acts, the 11th chapter, we find where the early church expands beyond Jerusalem. And because of persecution, the disciples uh, go as far as Antioch, uh, preaching and sharing the gospel. I'm going to begin reading Acts chapter 11 at the 19th verse through the 26th verse. These, this is the second passage of scripture. Now those who had been scattered by persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Verses 25 and 26 read, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Again, that was Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 26 and that was uh, part two in the sermon series uh, entitled teach them teach them teach them you will note that matthew 28 16 through 20 is what is commonly referred to as the great commission it is the last words of jesus to his disciples the apostles that he spoke to them before his ascension it is actually the close of the Gospel of Matthew, and uh, last words are important, and he says in that, 
commission, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But verse 20 says, then teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Uh, we have a mandate uh, as disciples of Christ, as the people of God, as the church, uh, to make disciples of all nations, to teach them. Uh, Warren Worsby writes in his expository outlines on the New Testament uh, these words. He says, teach is actually make disciples. This is a commission to take the gospel to all nations as a definite change from Matthew 10 verses 5 through 6, where the commission was limited there only to Jews. Evangelism alone is not the commission for the church. After people are one, they should be baptized, which suggests a local church fellowship. Then they should also be taught, which suggests the teaching and preaching of the word of God. Please keep in mind that our commission is not simply to win souls. It is to make disciples, which includes winning them, bringing them into a Christian fellowship and building them up in the faith. That's what discipleship means. Go. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. But he emphasizes the teaching part, the teaching, the teaching. And to really uh, dig deeply into this teaching aspect, we have to do some research into what is contextual meaning of teaching or, or the concept of teaching and disciple making in scripture. Research on this uh, matter, we have to understand that teaching was a primary responsibility and process that made up the Jewish faith and community. It was through their teaching. And I want to say that the teaching was done uh, in a communal setting. It was primarily begun or focused on, on the home and then the teaching or the religious training that was done in the home was then expanded and lived out in the community. I think it is important for the church today to, to really reflect back on and get an understanding of the foundation of what it means to teach them from an Old Testament and a New Testament idea of what it means to teach. In the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, I'm just going to give you a summary of what it says. It says, in the Old Testament, while the Old Testament contains no specific reference to academic instruction, there are several allusions to public instruction or to teaching at court or sanctuary that appears in the biblical texts. Examples include Moses' uh, instruction of Israelites, Eli's instruction of Samuel, Nathan's counsel to King David, Jehoshaphat's uh, programs of instruction in the law, and Isaiah's relationship to a circle of disciples. It says, further, the presence of schools among the Near Eastern cultures and the subsequent development of prominent academic circles within the late Judaism also argue for the existence of academic institutions in ancient Israel. But it says, without question, however, the core early Hebrew instruction occurred in the home. I think that's very important. And if you're taking notes, I would underline that, that the primary source of instruction was in the home. 
He says, while the educational techniques used in ancient pre-exilic Israel are now lost to us, various Old Testament terms for teaching give indications of Israel's philosophy of instruction. Uh, most often they translate uh, the word teach, which conveys the idea of training or exercise. And it says the, the term probably was used originally of animals, uh, but soon came to be used for the teaching of skills related to war, religion, and life. I think I'm going to say something very important here. It says um, that the focus was upon direction in the course of instruction. Uh, from this root, the noun Torah, teaching or instruction, is distinguished from the often misused translation, which is law, which signifies the tradition by which the community was to conduct itself with respect to ritual and society. The practical focus of uh, the verb that was used and translated as teaching is demonstrated in the wisdom lit literature, which equates teaching the way of wisdom with leading in the paths of righteousness. Wow. Okay. It commonly refers to an individual's capacity to discriminate in learning situations. So, so teaching had primary purpose was to bring a person's life into right relationship with God. And then when a person had the right relationship with God, then the word from God was then used to, to help the individual live in Jewish society or Jewish community. Uh, and in their idea of thinking, uh, when it came to teaching, uh, the Word, the Word of God uh, gave knowledge and gave wisdom and gave understanding. The, the Word of God uh, equipped a person uh, to live life and, and to live a righteous and upright life. So, so teaching was very central in the Jewish mindset. And uh, as we pick up on scripture, uh, even into the New Testament, that idea is carried on, that the synagogues were developed uh, during the period of exile to ensure that the teaching of the law, the teaching of the word of God uh, was, was maintained uh, even during times of captivity. And then it was continued in the post-exile period intertestamental periods uh, leading up to our New Testament. It's very important that we grasp this understanding of teaching. Teaching of people equipped them for life and prepared them to live in fellowship with God and in fellowship with one another. I believe this is what is the source of many of our challenges and issues today. Uh, we have a breakdown in the family, a breakdown in our communities, and a breakdown even in our churches. People are dropping out of church. People are uh, withdrawing. People are living isolated lives now. Uh, and now the focus has become more on the individual uh, than the individual and the individual living in uh, right relationship with God and community. And if we want to restore uh, some of the challenges that we face today, uh, then, then we need to heed uh, what Jesus says uh, in the Great Commission. Uh, not only are we to uh, uh, 
make disciples through proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the word to people to uh, get converts. Not, not only are we to uh, uh, invite people to be part of the fellowship and to identify with Christ, but most importantly, we are to teach them to observe uh, the things that I have commanded you, to teach them the words. The word was considered life, the bread of life, the word of heaven was given that men might live. Uh, Jesus even said when he was tempted in the wilderness, man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. So it is important to teach the word, it's important to make disciples. And we have to really look at the, the shift away from the teaching ministry to more a focus on worship and praise uh, today. But understand that even in the worship experience, preaching was essential and teaching was essential in the biblical times. Jesus would say to the woman at the well that God is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so God is a God of truth. So, so the truth has to be uh, known through God's revelation of who he is. And then when we discover God or get to know God through the revelation of the word and then through experience of God, then we are able to, to worship God rightly. Wow. There's so much that can be said in regards to the teaching ministry. When we think about the way teaching is thought of in the Western mind as opposed to the Jewish mindset or that of the early uh, church, we have to understand that the word that was external, people uh, absorbed or took the word in, but the intent was to uh, bring about transformation. And that meant that the word had to be applied to one's life and lived out in one's life. And we have to work on that and understand that when we're teaching, that we're not just sharing information. A lot of people have the information, but they don't have the application aspect. And so that's why Jesus says, teach them to observe all things that I have commanded. It's in the observing of the thing that, that the abundant life that Christ reveals and, and preaches and teaches about, the abundant life of the kingdom is available when one submits to the teaching of the word, when one uh, submits to the God who is revealed through the word, uh, then that opens one's up to the abundant life that's promised in the kingdom. Uh, so there is a lot of issues involved there that, that go beneath the surface. We are dealing with a time now where people know about God, but they don't know God through experience. The uh, Jewish teaching uh, background, as I've studied it and gained some insight, they incorporated the living out in the teaching process. So, so there was a lot of experiential learning as well. Even the holidays and festivals that Jew, the Jewish people observed, there were reenactments of historic moments or reenactments of times that God had uh, acted in the life of Israel to teach what it meant to follow God, to teach uh, about God's grace and mercy and God's uh, loving kindness that is shown toward the people. And so as we uh, seek to teach today, I want to just go a little bit deeper and say that 
in uh, making the disciples. It's, it's not just the classroom teaching uh, that we are familiar with today, but, but there was a relationship developed between the teacher. Luke 6 and 40 says a disciple when fully trained will be like his teacher or his master. And so what we miss today is the relationship between teacher and pupil or teacher and learner, teacher and student that was involved in helping the student to mature and, and to develop and to grasp uh, the lessons learned uh, because not only was there knowledge given but then there were experiences related to the knowledge, experiences that would require them to apply uh, the lessons learned in their daily lives. And, and then there was evaluations and then there was uh, being held accountable for the practice, uh, being held accountable not only by the teacher but also being held accountable by the family and being held accountable by the community. And so there was this, this network uh, that worked together. Uh, there was the teacher, there was the family, there's the, the community that, that reinforced the, the living out of the principles that were taught. As we go into it even deeper, I want to encourage us to think about what's happening today. And especially I want us to reference a, uh, a work entitled Faith for, for Exiles, Five Ways for a New Generation to Follow Jesus in Digital Babylon. Uh, that's a work by David Kinneman and Mark Matlock. Uh, in their introduction, they write, uh, young non-Christians are avoiding Christianity and young Christians are abandoning church. He's, they say, however, by cultivating five practices, they can be formed into disciples who thrive as exiles in digital Babylon. And I think it's very important that I highlight for you what they mean by uh, digital Babylon. They make the claim or make the statement that in our culture and time, it's a time like a digital Babylon. It's like when people were in Jerusalem and in the environment, uh, the religious setting, the religious environment, there was a way of life in Jerusalem that was uh, theocratic, that was God-dominated. But then when you get outside of Jerusalem, there was the challenge of having to live in a culture that was that of the Roman Empire. And so Rome was often referred to as Babylon, and the culture of uh, Babylon, uh, we would note through history, is was a pagan culture, uh, but it was also spiritual. And Kinnaman and Matlock State, uh, it was hyper-stimulated, it was multicultural, it, it was uh, an imperial crossroads uh, that became an unwilling home for Judean exiles. They had to uh, exist in this culture that was not conducive uh, to their religious practices and belief. They state uh, in their work that digital Babylon is not a physical place. It is the pagan but spiritual hyper-stimulated multicultural imperial crossroads that is the home of every person, listen at this, with Wi-Fi, a data plan, or both. In digital Babylon, the Bible is one of many voices that interpret human experience. So they write in Faith for Exiles, uh, they write that the characteristics of resilient young Christians, uh, disciples, 
is to be able to withstand the, the challenges of digital Babylon. They list the following ways that we can help develop resilient disciples. And this is ties in with my theme of teaching them. It says, number one, the first way that we can help them is to help young disciples, young Christian disciples, help them develop and experience uh, intimacy with Jesus. Help them experience intimacy with Jesus. Number two, help them develop muscles of cultural discernment. Number three, help them form meaningful intergenerational relationships. Number four, train them for vocational discipleship. And number five, help them curb entitlement and self-centered tendencies by engaging them in countercultural mission. There, there's a work to do with the new generations that are emerging, uh, millennials, uh, Gen Z, uh, Gen Alpha. They are more open spiritually than we believe, but we have to teach them. We have to reach out to them. We have to follow the plan of Jesus Christ. We have to follow the mandate uh, of the Great Commission. And what I saw when I looked at Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 26, I actually saw this picture of uh, individuals who are scattered by persecution uh, that have to live the Christian life and have to live as disciples of Christ and, and new believers in a Babylon-type situation. And uh, in Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 26, we, we see how that even though there was persecution that they, that, that they traveled. And as they traveled, uh, remember Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples. So as they traveled, uh, they went some to Cyprus and Cyrene. They, they went as far as Antioch and began to speak to Greeks, telling them the good news about the Lord. That's the proclamation. And the word says uh, in 21 of chapter 11 that the hand of the Lord was with them and then a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Now you know when there's a revival breaking out, when there's a movement emerging, that the originators of the movement uh, will get wind of it. And so uh, in Acts chapter 11, verse 22, uh, news of what was happening in Antioch got back to the church at Jerusalem. And in response, the church at Jerusalem sent Barnabas uh, to Antioch. Uh, and when he got there, he saw that the, the grace of what God had done, he was glad and he encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Uh, Barnabas was an encourager. And listen, uh, folks, listen, those that are you, listen to me. Uh, uh, new believers, uh, disciples, people that are in development stages uh, following Christ, uh, they need first and foremost someone to encourage them, someone to say to them, stay with God, uh, trust in God always. Uh, but not only did Barnabas serve as an encourager, but it says in verse 25, Barnabas went to look for Saul. And it says, when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. Now look at Acts chapter 11, verse 26, if you have your Bibles open. And in Acts 11, 26, uh, we see what Barnabas does. He follows the mandate to teach them, to disciple them. Uh, it says, when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And it says, for a whole year... 
Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And in this 26th verse, we find the first mention of the word Christian. It says, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Now think on that, think on that. In this passage, we see a shift happening that as a result of teaching, transformation happens. Okay? So many times we slap a label on people before transformation. So we baptize them and immediately we call them Christians. But in the Bible, there's definitely a pattern established with this church at Antioch that can be followed is that after people are converted, they need to be taught. We have to teach them. And it says for a whole year, they taught them taught great numbers of people. So so the church is filled with people. And then when people are taught, they become disciples or learners. And then as they learn, as they learn and apply the teachings and principles of Christ to their lives, they are called Christians by those on the outside. Oh, Lord have mercy. That That is really the, the, the goal and objective of Christianity is to help people to become like Christ. Luke 6 and 40 again. A disciple when fully trained will become like his teacher. We we want to help to develop people to become more and more like Jesus. That is the way that the kingdom grows. That is, uh, is the plan that Jesus gave to his disciples for the advancement of the kingdom. He says go and make disciples of all nations. It says baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then it says teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And Lord, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Uh, we must teach them. And it's going to take, in today's society, it's going to take a recommitment of the family uh, to teach Christian values and practice them in the home because that provides the environment that undergirds and supports the development of young disciples. Not only not only the home, but then we need to promote Christian values and Christian teaching in our community. And how do we do that? I'm not necessarily saying that we make laws and things like that. That's, uh, to me, uh, what's causing some of the backlash toward the church today. But we need to develop communities and, and we need to live out our values in the community. We need to live out our beliefs and our practices. We, we need to uh, walk the walk in front of people. We need to have communities that, that are strengthened uh, by people not only loving God, but loving one another. Uh, the Bible says that Jesus said the greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then the second commandment is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. And so so this this ethic of love, this 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 care, uh, not only for God, this, this love for God, but also a compassion and a care, a sacrificing, self-giving love and uh, respect and honor for our neighbor. Is, is part of the teaching of Christ. Uh, and then, uh, most importantly, our churches need to be places uh, where uh, the values and, and principles and teachings of Christ are, are taught 
and modeled, taught and modeled. Uh, I don't know if I said that earlier, but uh, rabbis and the masters or, or the teachers uh, not only uh, spoke words, but they also modeled what they were teaching, modeled what they were professing. So, so as a church, we have to model it for them and, and be examples for people and so that they can see the word come to life in our lives. Uh, there needs to be a consistency between our walk and our talk. Uh, so we have a mandate, we have a challenge to teach, uh, to teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Uh, we want to encourage you uh, as you listen to these few moments from two sermons, a uh, sermon series entitled Teach Me. Great command that Jesus gave us is to evangelize, uh, make converts and disciples by preaching, proclaiming, and sharing the good news. Uh, to baptize them, that's an initiation or ritual uh, that allows individuals to identify with Christ and the church, to, to allow them to experience the fellowship, the partnership, to become a part, part of the family of God. And it's a, it's a union that is made, it's a relationship that is formed. And then finally, we have to teach them to observe the things that Christ taught. The goal of a Christian life is to be transformed. The goal of a Christian life is to mature. And the goal of our teaching is to help uh, individuals to be mature and to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. That's our presentation for today. Uh, the challenge that I put before you is to reflect on and grasp this idea of teaching them. Teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And here's the promise of Jesus. He says, if you do this, if you'll keep my commandments, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is with us as we seek to keep his commandments. God bless you. God keep you. Again, this is the BBC podcast after the sermon school uh, entitled Teach Them, Teach Them. I'm Reverend Dr. Edward O. Williamson, pastor of the Bethel Baptist Church of White Plains, New York. Uh, you can email any questions or comments to bbcmediaministry1 at gmail.com. God bless you. God bless you. Subscribe and follow us with our podcast presentations. Be blessed.